Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. This year, the United States has been stepping up its efforts to secure the critical minerals that are needed for clean energy projects from resource-rich but financially poor countries. One of these countries is Mongolia, sometimes called Mongolia. It's a remote nation boxed in by Russia and China that has abundant reserves of copper, gold, and coal. But making packs to deliver these critical minerals to the U.S. isn't easy. And the stakes are high since the Biden administration's climate goals are on the line, demand for clean energy technology is ratcheting up, and the global reliance on China for critical minerals is a growing concern. So today, I chat with Sarah Schoenhardt from Politico's e News about how the U.S. is trying to woo Mongolia and other nations, and the challenges to cutting critical mineral deals. It's Wednesday, August 2nd. So it's really part of a broader effort by U.S. diplomats to reach out to major mineral producers and frontier nations like Mongolia that the U.S. has good relationships and that will be crucial to meeting growing demand for minerals, which are needed for clean energy technologies. Mongolia is interesting because its location is sort of wedged between China and Russia, which are two U.S. adversaries. At the same time, it's a relatively stable democratic country that's really seeking to balance its dependence on them through partnerships with other countries like the U.S. So part of the outreach is certainly about critical minerals, but it's also an effort to show an important ally that the U.S. is interested and that investors could potentially be interested if the conditions are right. Interesting. So zooming out here, can you just explain what's at stake for the U.S. right now with respect to these critical minerals? Mongolia, as you say, is just one of many countries that the U.S. is trying to forge packs with. So why is the Biden administration focused on this issue right now? Yeah, so many of the technologies really needed to power a less sort of carbon intensive or less polluting future require minerals like lithium, cobalt, copper, rare earths. The International Energy Agency expects demand to grow exponentially in the coming years if the world is to ramp up the use of those clean energy technologies. So while the U.S. has some of those minerals domestically, those resources alone won't be enough, which is why the U.S. is reaching out to producer countries and to other countries. Another part of this outreach is that the U.S. really currently depends very heavily on China, as well as the rest of the world. China is the hub for a lot of the clean energy production and dominates the supply chain for raw and processed minerals. So one strategy is to show countries that U.S. investments come with advantages, such as higher labor and environmental standards. That's part of what's behind the creation of this mineral security partnership that the U.S. is involved in with a number of other countries, a number of other U.S. allies. And really, it hinges on things like information sharing, creating the conditions for the private sector to boost investments in the mineral sector in other countries, and the principles of high environmental, social, and good governance. 
So you seem to be describing a scenario in which both sides would have an incentive to forge a pact. You've got the U.S. looking to reduce its dependency on potential adversaries for these critical minerals. And you've got Mongolia looking to reduce its dependency on its neighbors as well. But you say that there is an up here battle here for the United States. What is standing in the way? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing the U.S. needs to do is really convince other countries that it is really committed to higher environmental labor, social governance standards, what's known as ESG principles. Many mineral-rich countries are keen to grow their economies, but they're also wary about being seen purely as a source of raw materials. Many of them want investments in higher-value-added goods that can give their economies more of a boost. And for a country like Mongolia, which is really deeply tied to the land, it's a country of nomadic herders, and there are a lot of concerns about environmental degradation. So an additional challenge for Mongolia, as I mentioned earlier, is its location. It's landlocked between China and Russia, meaning sort of the export of any bulk minerals like copper really need to be transported over land. Mongolia exports most of its minerals and about a quarter of its gross domestic product comes from the export of those minerals, most of which are going to China. So it really needs to ensure it's maintaining that relationship at the same time that it's looking to partner with other countries in order to balance out China's heavy hand in its economy. So then tell us about the domestic politics on this topic. Is the Biden administration facing political pushback domestically for being part of this minerals security partnership? There are lawmakers who have voiced concerns about the U.S. potentially overlooking abuses in places like the Democratic Republic of the Congo or even China, which produces solar panels for export to the U.S. I think the U.S., has really tried to emphasize the adherence to these high environmental, social, and governance principles to counter that type of criticism by saying, you know, we're really invested in pushing high ESG in the countries where we're looking to partner. I think there's also criticism here from mineral producers who say the U.S. isn't doing enough to invest in mineral production within the United States, that the U.S. also has reserves of some of these key minerals and materials that it could be finding within the United States. And that, of course, requires a lot of attention to things like permitting and other issues that the U.S. would need to push for, which could take additional time at a moment when the U.S. is really trying to secure as many of these materials as possible to meet what will certainly be accelerated demand for some of the clean energy goods of the future. Also, the Energy Department is easing up on its proposed energy efficiency rules for gas stoves. After reviewing data submitted by industry groups and utilities, Politico learned that DOE will float less stringent efficiency requirements for gas stoves in a notice of data availability, which is expected to be published in today's Federal Register. It was not immediately clear whether the change will appease Republican critics, who have made the gas stove rule a poster child for their allegations of administrative overreach by the Biden administration. The House has passed bills barring DOE from regulating stoves, though they are unlikely to advance in the Democratic-controlled Senate. And Politico has a new podcast about to hit your feeds. 
Politico-Tech launches today and is your daily download on the disruption that technology is bringing to politics and policy. Today, Stephen Overly interviews the White House's microchip man, Ronnie Chatterjee. And upcoming guests include Senator Todd Young and Hollywood filmmaker Justine Bateman. You can find Politico-Tech wherever you get your podcasts. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Amy Snyder, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron knows developing and deploying carbon capture and storage is a critical step in helping make progress towards global net zero, which is why we're targeting 25 million tons of CO2 per year in storage and offsets by the end of the decade. That's energy in progress. Visit chevron.com slash carbon capture.